could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Do you feel how much your Heavenly Father loves you? Welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. This is Stephanie Colvin, and I'm your host, coming to you from the very sunny and breezy Southern California. It's such a beautiful day here in Ventura. Thank you for joining us. For this episode, I decided to answer some of the questions that I've been receiving via DM on Instagram or Facebook Messenger and also an email. So keep those communications coming. I love hearing from the audience. Um, The one question that I tend to get a lot and I'm going to start off with is why did I start the podcast? And I'm going to share a little excerpt from a talk that Elder Bednar gave. I think it was back in 2014 or 15. And he says, approximately 40% of our worldwide missionary force soon will be using digital devices as tools in the work of conversion, retention, and activation. The Lord is hastening his work, and it is no coincidence that these powerful communication innovations and inventions are occurring in the dispensation of the fullness of times. We thank thee, O God, for the prophets who have taught and prepared us, For the time in which we live and who have urged us to use technological advancements to support the ongoing mission of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I took that very seriously. I had started with my own social media account, kind of just sharing scriptures and my thoughts about scriptures, especially as I was doing my daily scripture reading. But I wanted to do more. I just had this really sincere, deep desire to do more and try to figure out what I can do um, that would fit with my lifestyle and kind of the demands of my life and what's going on. And so the podcast form and platform has uh, worked very well for me. It's been a good option for me. And I wanted to actually do this a couple years ago, but I had to work up the courage I I don't like talking about myself and it's so interesting because I talk about myself a lot (laughs) in this podcast, but uh, when I talk about myself, it's always in relation to one of the topics that have been chosen for the week. And I work very hard at trying to live a life where I can be close to the spirit. I really do this podcast based on the spirit. I, when I get done recording usually in Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursdays, if I'm having a crazy week, I do post at midnight Thursday. uh, So it's available on Friday. And I try to by Sunday, make sure I've given enough thought time and prayerful consideration for what the next topic should be. I am not someone that plans my episodes out you know, weeks or a month ahead, because I really am doing this by the spirit and I have to focus on the topic while I'm doing the research and all of the work uh, that, you know, 
kind of comes along with preparing these episodes. And so that's kind of my routine is to by Sunday know what I'm going to do for the week and it can be hard because it's last minute and trying to find people to participate uh, can be very tough because I'm not preparing these episodes weeks in advance and uh, the the purpose of the podcast for LDS Real People Real Lives is to be completely uh, spiritually led guided and driven I have the what I've had the wonderful experience of doing this during the lockdown and shut in because of the pandemic and I have to honestly tell you you know we do participate in opportunities that we're given for zoom meets on Sunday um, sometimes throughout the week we're not always there on Sunday because they do it early in the morning but uh, doing this podcast and participating in it has really kept me all in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's been a blessing to my life. Oftentimes I find myself saying if there's one person that I've helped the most by doing this podcast and putting myself out there, it's me. And I think that we find that often whenever we're ministering and doing service to others is that we're helping others. But the greatest of help and blessings and miracles is not only going to be to them, but also to you for having a willing heart for exercising your faith and sharing that faith and love to those around you. So it's been an awesome experience in that respect. I also love to do missionary work. You know, I came into the church as an adult in 2013 because I had left the church uh, literally as a teenager, about 17. I have a lot of catching up to do. And so we've only been in the church now for about seven years. And I have so much to come to know and understand. And, um, you know, I really learned that the Lord does not put a time frame on that. Acquire, you know, the, the acquiring of knowledge. He really just works with the people, his children, as we are open and willing, searching and seeking and following that pattern that has been set for us by our Savior, Jesus Christ, to acquire knowledge and to receive inspiration and revelation. I started listening to podcasts about four or five years ago, and I started off with murder mystery podcasts because I have a curious mind. I love true stories, and I love murder mystery stories. As I continued to listen to them and time kind of clicked on, I remember one day I was I was just like, what if there's LDS podcasts out there? I need to check and see if there's some good LDS podcasts out there that I can listen to, especially as I'm driving because I'm on the road so much. Uh, that would supplement and be an additional resource to my spiritual education, my temporal education. And also, you know, I'm always looking to not only progress my knowledge and understanding and receive revelation in regards to my life and my family, but um, making sure that I'm spending my time doing, you know, good things that would be pleasing to the Lord. Now, we all need breaks from that sometimes. And uh, actually, more often than not, because doing spiritual studying and research can be very taxing. And so, um, you know, I do take time off and I do things with my family. I may watch some shows. I love my social media platforms and kind of connecting with people through uh, Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. And uh, it's just been 
just a really cool way of connecting with others outside of my little world here in Southern California, which has gotten a lot smaller because of the quarantine. And this has been a great platform for me to reach out beyond myself. Um, and it's really focused on not only bringing people into the gospel. I, again, I love doing missionary work. I have a fire in my bones for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just all there is to it. I love it. I want to share it. And I want to shout from the tallest mountain in the world and let all of my brothers and sisters know, let's do this. There's so much to learn. There's so much to know. But as I and my husband came into church in 2013, we did notice that there were a lot of things that just weren't talked about. Um, and you know, as I'm sure it's not intentional, it's things that we just don't really talk about because it kind of has a negative spin to it. But, uh, you know, we don't really talk about what happens after you get baptized or what happens while you're taking the discussions, or if you're, you know, an inactive member coming back, anytime Lucifer sees you taking a righteous step or even having a, you know, a righteous, um, you know, a thought or something that you're saying, uh, anytime he witnesses that you're moving in a direction that's going to point you towards Christ and God, he's going to act. And we know that Lucifer, when that door is just even open just a little bit, he loves to kick that door open. And so I saw that there was a need for people to turn to a resource where they could hear about, you know, people who are in the gospel, who are active, you know, attending church, fulfilling their callings, etc. Um, and going to the temple and, and keeping their ordinances and that sort of thing, but yet still dealing with a lot of these hard, real life hardships and trials and challenges and how they reconcile that with the gospel. Um, you know, I do understand that inspiration and revelation is very private. And so we have to be uh, very aware of the sacred revelations given to us that we need to keep to ourselves and those that we can share because there's a lot of people that just don't even really know how revelation comes or understand that. There are people in the church that have a difficult time praying. Um, you know, there's just people all over the spectrum. And what I found, you know, I'm, I'm in a wonderful ward. We have wonderful people who um, are very warm and welcoming, who are just so loving. But when I would try to have these personal one-on-one -on -one conversations and talk about the deeper um facets of the gospel of Jesus Christ and receiving revelation and kind of talking about spiritual experiences, I found that most people just were not really open to having those conversations. Um, as a matter of fact, it was a little bit uncomfortable. And I was kind of surprised by that because we're a church that um, we separate ourselves because we believe in modern day revelation. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I want to make it certain and, and put this out there. I'm not bad mouthing anyone. This was just my experience and I was a little frustrated. I've always had my parents and my husband to talk to about my faith and spiritual experiences and just things that I witnessed and observed. I love to pick other people's brains and kind of say, hey, I saw this or I noticed this or I had this experience. What do you think about it? What's happened to you? And I just could not get people to engage with me on that level. So I thought, you know what? I cannot be the only one out there that's feeling this way. And so that's another reason why I created this podcast, LDS real people real lives podcast so we can talk about the real issues and the real hard things that we're all dealing with and we are dealing with really hard issues in the latter days here um 
Another reason why I started the podcast, and I, you know, I'm sorry to be so long-winded about this, but there were so many things that motivated me in this direction. I did find those wonderful LDS podcasts on, um, I always use the Apple podcast and there are some wonderful podcasts out there. They're just so moving and spiritual and I learn so much. I get so much spiritual education. Um, A lot of them do talk about real people and real issues too, but it's kind of in a different format and platform than mine. And um, I noticed that these people that are having, uh, that are doing these podcasts that are members of the church are highly educated or they're therapists or uh, they're scriptorians or, you know, they're just these wonderful, wonderfully talented people. And I really appreciate their efforts. I still listen to many of the podcasts that uh, I started listening to and I've added a couple more since. But I wanted to hear or at least connect with a podcast with somebody who, you know, doesn't necessarily have all that education, who is not a scriptorian, who hasn't taught at BYU, who's not a therapist, who's just an everyday Jane in my case, Um, might be a Joe in your case, but just an everyday person that's just grinding it out and really just putting your shoulder to the wheel and doing the best that you can with what you know, what you've been given and utilizing your faith in your life and just pushing forward. So that all those reasons is why I started this podcast and so many blessings have come out of it. Um, My faith has grown exponentially. My testimony has grown exponentially. Um, Revelation inspiration has also grown and it's just been so miraculous and majestic and just simply amazing. Sometimes I can get spiritual inspiration or revelation and things that just come to my mind, either in still shots or movies, and I can feel it and I understand it with great clarity, but I just can't explain it in mortal words. It's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me, and yet I understand because these are um, heavenly celestial revelations that are given to us and uh you know it's just celestial knowledge is just never going to be equal to more you know mortality and the mortal knowledge that we have here and so i'm grateful for this opportunity and for the technology that we have in this day and age to be able to do these things to be an active uh, servant on behalf of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Heavenly Father. And I love working with the Holy Ghost. I view him as a best friend. And um, he is my comforter. He is my best friend. He's uh, the truth teacher, the truth sayer. And he's the one that really, you know, puts me on the right path. He is definitely my Leahona. Another question that I get often is, why did I leave the church? Now, I shared that... um, and a few other episodes, and I, I'm not sure how much in depth I went into it, um, but I know that, you know, I had mentioned that the reason why I stopped going to church is because I wanted to go out and live on my own terms, and uh, one of the emails that I got actually said, can you please explain what that means? So just to kind of put some further information on that and kind of fill you in. I left because I had been raised in the church and it wasn't a perfect upbringing, but my parents did the best that they could. And um, I don't think any of us have a perfect upbringing. I think that, you know, having 
Um, hard childhoods are just a part of life. And, you know, we're, we're kind of meant to learn to focus on the good and the blessings and the wonderful from our childhood. I think it's always so easy f- to focus on the negative and the bad, um, which they both have a place in our lives. I just try to put a little bit more emphasis on the good. Um, but I had done so much to myself through school, just trying to deal with my mind and just kind of the illnesses and the sicknesses that I had acquired because of uh, some abuse and things that were going on. And so I was always self-medicating. I, I had so many different ad- addictions that um, I'm surprised I even got through high school. And yet I remember that I tried really hard to get good grades and to do the things that I was supposed to do. I was also involved in band and the marching band. I was playing sports at the same time. So my parents kept me busy and yet I could still find a way to do the things that I shouldn't be doing uh, to self-medicate and deal with the things that were happening or happened in my life. So when I left the church, it wasn't really like, oh, I don't believe in the church and I don't have anything to do with this church anymore. That is not what happened to me. I had known from when I was a little girl that this is the church of Jesus Christ. I know it and I that'll never change. That testimony will never change. If anything, it just gets deeper and deeper uh, rooted. Um, but I wanted to do things that were not pleasing to the Lord. And anybody who's tried to ride the fence of living the gospel, but just picking and choosing what you want to live, and then you're kind of out in the world and doing what you want to do, it's after a while as the years tick on, you really, I felt like in my late 20s, I was going insane. I I couldn't do it anymore. It was too much. And I knew I had to make a choice in my late 20s. Am I going to be in the gospel or not? And so I chose not to be in the gospel. But I still did the things that, you know, were my foundation that were given to me by my parents, which was to pray, um, to have faith. I knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ was true. And I just tried to be a good person. But believe you me, I had a lot to learn and a lot of experiences to have to have my personal education. Um, I mean, let's face it, this life is a spiritual education. You know, we are meant to come here and work towards, you know, our celestial home to return back with our Heavenly Father, you know, our Heavenly Mother and our Savior Jesus Christ and with our families. And um, it was just really, really hard for me. I remember at one point when I married my second husband, Um, you know, thinking to myself that he's not the spouse for eternity, but he's the spouse for now. And I know that sounds terrible, but when you're, you know, you've had a divorce already, you've got two kids, you've been living on your own for three or four years, you just, you get lonely and um, you're just looking for somebody who's a decent person. Um, So that's why I left the church as I, Instead of utilizing the gospel, I look back at this now and I just think, Stephanie, you were so dumb. Instead of utilizing the gospel to help me manage through my hardships and challenges and just quite simply my own personal bitter cup that I had to carry with me, I used whatever the world had to offer. And you can't do that and be in the gospel at the same time because it'll just drive you crazy. And that's what it was doing to me. And that's why I left. So I hope that answers the question um, better for you. But I, you know, looking back, hindsight being 2020, I really wish that I would have used uh, the gospel 
to manage my trials and challenges in my bitter cup and utilize my faith and testimony. Um, but I just didn't know how to do that. And that's another reason why I started this podcast. And I wanted to talk about ways to apply the teachings of the gospel that we can use it in our lives to keep us on that straight and narrow path. And unfortunately, I just did not know how to do that when I was young. Another question that I received from just a sweetheart, sweetheart of a guy is uh, how did you get through your youth given what happened with the abuse in the environment of your home? And for me, it was really the power of prayer and faith. You know, when life gets too hard to stand, you kneel. Abraham Lincoln said that, and I totally wholeheartedly believe in that. And I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in faith. I believe that you can use your faith as a shield when you need to, and that you can use your faith as a sword when you need to. There are times when we're going to have to be on the offense or defense. And um, that's what I, just from when I was a little girl, I knew that I could hit my knees and pray to Heavenly Father and that He would always be there for me. And that my Savior would always be there for me and help me and love me and give me the strength to get through it. Um, there's another quote I wanted to share um, in regards to this question. I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. And that was definitely my case. You know, my parents were together and when we had issues in the family, it was just, you stayed in the home and we didn't have anywhere else to go. And even our rooms sometimes weren't the safest place because, you know, my brothers or my, you know, my dad could still come in and do whatever, but it just was, uh, you know, it was always my spirituality. That was my saving grace. Prayer is definitely the passport to spiritual power. Thomas S. Monson said that, and I completely and wholeheartedly believe that um, prayer is the passport to spiritual power. And that's huge. Uh, Boyd K. Packer says that faith is a real power, not just an expression of belief. Um, and I totally believe in all of this that I'm reading. And that's the thing is that, you know, we can acquire uh, quotes, we can acquire facts, we can acquire knowledge, but if we don't believe in them, it's really not going to go beyond just taking in that information. It's the belief that puts it into action. And you know what? Joseph Smith actually said that faith is the moving cause of all action. I will walk by faith even when I cannot see. And so that is how I handled what was going on in my life. Um, there were times that I had, it's really hard to keep that focus and like that, that faith and just stay on that linear faith journey and just always be so strong. It's definitely more a hills and valleys type journey. And so when I hit those valleys, sometimes I would hit them pretty hard and rock bottom. And I remember one time when I was a teenager, I was very suicidal and but because of the gospel, I would never act on it. I would have thoughts and things going through my head um, because, you know, Lucifer loves to use the things that have happened in our life um, that other people have done to us to make us feel uh, that we are hopeless and helpless and that we have no uh, right 
to continue to live on and that we just must kill ourselves or take our own lives and um, that's just not true I mean Lucifer definitely is very wicked and very evil and he will lose whatever tools that are at his disposal and so sometimes I you know I would have those thoughts go through my mind and I never actually got to the point I'm doing it but I really struggled with that and man, that was just so miserable um, thankfully through my faith and my testimony a wonderful family my oh, goodly parents my parents are just awesome and it's because of my parents that I believe that people can change so it's because of all of that the support you know just bishops that I've had throughout my life and people that have taken the time to be a part of my life to help me continue to push forward and uh, to move forward and not to use the things of my past to solely or make my present or future sad you know uh, to make my future and my present horrible I know many people who have had um, things happen to them throughout their lives that use that for the rest of their lives uh, just to it's hard for them to overcome and so it's just for me my focus was to be able to utilize the gospel and all of the good things at my disposal medication and therapy to be able to conquer it and overcome it and uh, that's been a journey for me and that's been a journey of over many decades uh, but I'm getting there and I appreciate the support and the help of those around me and also my Heavenly Father and my Savior Another question that I received was, what makes my current marriage different from my first two marriages? And you know what? That's a great question. Elder L. Whitney Clayton said, terrific marriages are completely respectful, transparent, and loyal. Uh, none of us marry perfection. We marry potential. There is no more important commitment in time or eternity than a marriage. And my husband and I, we are on the same page with this. And that's the first big difference is that we truly believe that our marriage is eternal. We are respectful. We're transparent. We're loyal. And we know that we have potential. We know and we see and we clearly understand because of the Holy Ghost that together we can do anything. But apart, we're kind of stunted it is in the union of us being together through marriage and eternal sealing that we can do anything and everything that we need to do here on earth and anything that Heavenly Father would ask us to do. I never had that in my prior marriages. Uh, my first husband, he did get baptized, but as soon as he was baptized, he stopped attending church. Uh, my second husband didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so that that's the, the biggest difference in my marriage today is that we're in the gospel we're on the same page we're both believing and we've we very much complement each other um i would say another big difference is that my husband now is has is completely void and has no uh pride um he's not shady he has high integrity and he is pure he's very valiant and virtuous very hard to find nowadays and you know I found him in my late 30s I couldn't believe it I just could not believe it 
And this is just goes to show that Heavenly Father knows our hearts. He knows our desires. And he knows how to perfectly, perfectly bless us. Thomas Monson said that the greatest test of this life is obedience. And my husband and I believe in strict obedience. Um, we understand that you have to live the law in order to receive the blessing. We are not perfect beings whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we're, we're very imperfect, um, but we also believe in repentance wholeheartedly. And so we utilize these teachings in our lives uh, every single day. When obedience ceases to be an irritant and becomes our quest, in that moment, God will endow us with power. And we firmly believe in that. Um, you know, obedience has become uh, a sweet, sweet delight in our lives. And there was a time, I remember when I got my patriarchal blessing, it actually says in there something to the effect that as I continue to keep the commandments of God, it will become sweeter. Because I remember feeling like these, all these things that they, you know, that the gospel wants me to do is just too much. I don't know how to do all of this. I've never lived a life where I've been um, disobedient before. And so I really felt like I couldn't do it, which was a complete false lie. Um, Another question that I received is, how do I handle contention issues within my ward or relationships within the church? Wow, that is a huge question. And you know, it's a good question because we all have to learn how to get along. Uh, and I have had some situations in our ward where I've had to choose not to be offended. Um, I love, thank you, God bless you for sending me this question. Because I do see that there are people that have issues within their own wards. Um, and I've heard stories, especially here locally, from one city to another, or one stake to another, or even one ward to another. And I'm always shocked because I just haven't had those experiences in my ward. Um, and you know, let's face it, we're all in the gospel of Jesus Christ as found in the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. But I just, it always reminds me that we're all people and we're not perfect. We're not perfect saints. And so we have to get really good at choosing not to be offended and being forgiving. So there was one time I had come to church. It was at the very beginning uh, when I was going to church. And, you know, my clothing at the time, I've never been a woman to uh, reveal a lot of skin or to show off any um, parts of my body except for probably my legs. Uh, I wore this one dress and I didn't realize that it was, you know, I didn't think it was short, but I got to church and this very sweet woman came over to me who I absolutely love and adore. Um, and she came over and she kind of tugged on my, my dress and she says, oh, that skirt's just a little bit short. And it was interesting because immediately I felt shame and embarrassment. And, you know, these feelings of shame and embarrassment can create a lot of contention and hard feelings. And so I just removed myself from the situation. I went to the bathroom and I went into a stall and I sat down on the toilet. And I remember thinking to myself, right now, the way I choose to handle this situation is going to affect the relationship that I can have with this sister. And I know that this sister 
because see, this is the spirit witnessing to me is going to be an added blessing to my life. And as I was thinking this through and trying to decide how I wanted to personally fall on this, as far as my feelings were concerned, I remember the spirit conveying to me with great clarity that she did not intend to be rude or to embarrass me or to make me feel shame whatsoever. I got out of the bathroom at that point, turned the corner, and I was walking down a long hallway to go to Gospel Essentials class. And the sister, sure enough, comes around the corner and she immediately pulls me to the side and she says, oh my gosh, I did not mean to make you feel uncomfortable when I said that. I hope I didn't offend you. And it was so interesting because as soon as she said that, my heart filled with the greatest love for her that only your heart can do when the Spirit, the Holy Ghost works with you. And I just looked at her and I, I understood with complete clarity, she did not mean to offend me or make me feel uncomfortable. And she was actually looking out for me. And I embraced her and I told her not to worry about it. I told her how much I love her and then it's quite okay. So since then, I have become a true believer in choosing not to be offended um, and, and really looking at my brothers and sisters, you know, not only in church, but in the world as people who just are generally trying to do things um, and be good people. I don't assume negative ill will immediately. I've been working very hard at that for a number of years. And um, when I do kind of get my uh, dander up or, oh my gosh, that word probably just dated me. Um, When I get irritated or frustrated or even upset, I do try to take a moment and not be reactionary because I'm very reactionary as a person and um, just try to see the lighter, brighter side of that scenario. And I try to go with the spirit. I try to be as humble and to supplicate the Lord as best I can, even when I'm angry, to make sure I handle it in a way that is... Um, going to be a good representative of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, Since then, I've had a couple of other situations that have occurred that, um, you know, I can see why people would use it to want to, you know, maybe go to another ward or stop going to church. And I know that there are people in church that do that. I've seen it. And, uh, my heart just really breaks that my heart goes out to them for how they feel. You know, I know that we have uh, someone in our ward that um, I haven't seen in a long time. And I don't really know why he's not going to church anymore, but I think I have kind of a, a feeling as to why. And uh, my heart really goes out to him and I feel bad. I wish I could do something for him. But you know what? I, I use that to learn from. And what I've learned from all of this as I've, you know, moved on and the years tick on by and I have these experiences is that nothing is going to stand in the way between myself and my eternal salvation. Not even somebody saying my skirt's too short or if, you know, they're irritated because I'm not coming to every meeting because I've got stuff going on in my life or, um, you know, if someone says this or that. Uh, I always have to, it's my responsibility because I'm in control of myself 
to make sure that I take that perceived action and give back kindness. And I, I'm grateful that I've been able to do that because oftentimes what I think, what my perception is of what they're doing or their intention, 90% of the time has been wrong. And so I'm grateful that that's, that's the way that, you know, the good Lord has worked with me to, to do that because I am um, a very reactionary temper. I do, I do have a temper kind of person and it's taken experience and, and aging for me to mellow out and also being married to my husband who's taught me um, meekness. And I have a really good friend in my ward who every time I think of meekness, uh, she pops into my mind. I'm surrounded by women in my ward who are wonderful examples to me. And I would never, ever want to do anything to put them off or not to have their friendship. I need them. I need them and I need their example and I need their guidance because I I silently watch them and I appreciate their faith and their worthiness and how hard they work at living this life and completing this life um, so that they can go home and return with honor. Um, One last question that I got and I received and I love this question because I love talking about my family is just to tell, tell you guys a little bit about my kids and family. I've talked about my boys. I have two boys. Um, Dylan and Cody and Dylan and Cody they're actually their birthdays are coming up and they'll be 28 and 26 years old my oldest has his girlfriend who I absolutely just think the world of she's such a sweetheart and she is about 20 years old and she is five months pregnant and um, they are looking for a home right now and my oldest is uh Man, he's a hard worker. He works really, really hard. He oftentimes he works seven days a week. He's just always been a hard worker, and I knew I never had to worry about him. Um, he's got a, a great personality. He's funny as all heck, and he's very loving. He's loyal. I mean, like diehard loyal. Um, but he's just a sweetheart. Uh, my boys have a half sister from their dad, and her name is Riley. She's about, I think she's turning 13 this month. And, uh, you know, he's a very, very good big brother to her. And I know he tries to do the best that he can. And one of, I would say if there was one characteristic or trait that really sticks it out about Dylan is that he has the amazing ability to look at a situation and quickly decide the solution and how to handle that situation. He's very good at problem solving. And he's also really good at trying to understand another person in a situation um, and kind of, you know, having empathy and compassion for what they're going through and uh, how he can maybe possibly help. But um, I've always appreciated that about him. He's got... um, He's very mannerly. The one thing that I always hear from people whenever they run into my kids or introduce to my kids or know my children somehow is um, how mannerly they are. (laughs) They're so, uh, well, they're smiles. They've got million dollar watt smiles and um, they're very mannerly and they're very kind. And so, you know, I really appreciate that my kids have chosen to be these people. My youngest, Cody, he is living with me here in Ventura. Uh, the college is across the street from us, so he's been going to school. As a matter of fact, he'll be in school full-time this fall. And um, 
you know, he's had a very uh, challenging life. They both have in their own ways and they have figured out how to endure it and to persevere and push on. And how I think this is the most important is how to learn from it. Uh, Cody has a very big heart too. He's very empathetic and compassionate. I mentioned before that he has bipolar. So he has a uh, huge tenderness for people who have mental illness. Um, And he also has a very real ability to handle contention. He is so good at handling contention and seeing right through the the bowl and getting right at the heart of the matter and then addressing it. Um, He has a girlfriend now for about four months and she's just an absolute sweetheart. She's about 25 and she's figuring out her life too. Uh, She's got a birthday coming up. And so they're in some, you know, important places in their lives trying to figure out what to do, what decisions to make and how to push forward and and make a good life for themselves, especially in the midst of all this chaos that's going on in the world. And um, they are sons that are very good to me. Um, They have always expressed their gratitude for me and their love. Um, They're very, very sweet, sweet children. And so I pray often and I pray always and daily that Heavenly Father will place within them a hearkening and a hastening to come unto the Lord, to embrace Him and serve Him with their whole hearts, mind, body, and strength. Uh, Because I hope that one day we can be sealed for time and all eternity. But these are things that I don't worry about because I know that God will make all right. And um, I also understand the very, very powerful teaching of agency and that my kids will decide where they want to be. And um, I I think that we're all going to be okay. And so I don't worry about it. I just have this very strong sense of peace. Um, My husband is a teacher and uh, they're doing online schooling this year, probably at least the first quarter, maybe the second quarter too. It may go through the whole year. I'm not sure. But um, he is also about six foot two. He works out five, six times a week. He's always been an athlete and um, he was a triathlete throughout school and college. As a matter of fact, he went to Cal Lutheran and he was on their team. Um, and he was in the world championships and at the Olympic training center. So he's a very athletic guy, which I needed in my life. And, um, he keeps me focused. He keeps me focused spiritually and temporally on the things that are good and that we need to be doing. And I so much appreciate that about him. He is a very funny, very charming gentleman, um, who has a very dry sense of humor and, um, I just love him for it because he is just absolutely funny. Um, there's so much about him that um, is wonderful, but unfortunately at times I don't get to see it because he does have mental illness uh, with body dysmorphia disorder, OCD, and severe anxiety. And so sometimes that can just always be present and take point. And the tender, loving, charismatic, charming, funny husband um, is fighting to get out. And these challenges challenges that we've been given are okay. You know, it's pushed us beyond where we felt comfortable. It's stretched us and stretched us and stretched us in areas that we thought that we could never be stretched into or even survive. And yet here we are. And if anything, we've become, we've come out of it stronger, more bonded in our marriage, more faithful with a greater testimony. And so what we've really learned is just to rely on the Lord 
um, he knows perfectly how to guide us and bless us and what we need. And so we, we believe that instead of asking why me, it's okay, what are we meant to do? What do you want us to learn? And what steps do we need to take? In other words, Lord, point our feet in the direction that we must go. And so, you know, we've got a, a nice, tight family unit, and I'm grateful for that. God has blessed my life tremendously. Um, I know that my children, as they've gotten older, have um, really come together with their dad. I always told them, they're, he's your dad, no matter what. No matter if he's difficult or loving or hard or kind or mean or, you know, no, no matter what, they're going to have to figure out how to get along with him and to how, how to have some kind of um, relationship with him and be good with it. And thankfully, my sons have been able to figure that out um, through their 20s. And their dad's actually changed too. He's gotten older and wiser, but I think he's also been able to reflect um, on what, you know, his relationship is with his kids. And I know that he's trying as well. So, you know, that's an answer to prayers. I've been praying for that for a long time. And I'm grateful for the tender mercies that are given to us in our life. My parents have been wonderful parents. They have not been perfect parents which I would never expect from them, but they are wonderful parents. They always rally and extend themselves beyond anything that you can ever comprehend or imagine for this family and for our children, for their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Um, they're always a wonderful example to all of us, even in all their imperfect ways. And uh, they truly have been the headquarters. We call their home headquarters because that's where we all go and convene when we want to be together. And I'm grateful that they have created this family of faith and love and just so much potential and comfort and serenity and peace and paradise. Um, I owe them so much. Now, I do have four brothers. My oldest brother I'm not really in contact with. My second oldest brother, he passed on when I was 19. He was 25. He had passed on from cancer. Um, and then there's me. And then, um, let's see, my older brother is eight years older than me. My second oldest brother was six years older than me. And then my younger brother, he lives in Utah and he's married and has two beautiful children. Um, and I just absolutely love my sister-in-law. I think they just had their 15th year anniversary which I may be wrong, please don't shoot me for that. But they've been together for for a while, and uh, you know they are making it happen. And I just I just love my sister in law to death. She's been a great addition. My brother um, is about two and a half years younger than me, and I just love him to death. He's just such a sweetheart. Um, very family oriented. He works very hard and uh, he loves the gospel. My younger brother is um, seven years younger than me and he and I have always been super close because we're probably the most affectionate in our family and um, we've just always been really, really close. He's not in the gospel, but he believes in the church. He knows the gospel is the gospel of Jesus Christ and that this is the one and only true gospel here on earth in church. Um, but, you know, he's living his life on his terms, doing the things that he wants to do. And uh, we've learned to accept him for who he is and to love him and to be fine with his uh, quirky, um, sometimes brash and a little bit vulgar personality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh he's about six five and um 
he is quite a character unto himself. When he walks into a room, typically people all look at him because not only is he tall, but he's very loud and he's very funny and he's very loving. He's one of the most loving people that I know. And he's been a good example to me on um, just loving people, even when people are just kind of being buttheads. So that's it for the questions this time. I know that this podcast is going on. This episode is going on a lot longer than I thought it would. Thank you so much for the communication, the questions that you've asked. I hope that it's been answered, you know, efficiently and successfully to um, what you were looking for and that it's might you know might have helped you in some way shape or form. Um, next week we are going to be doing an episode on I believe we're going to focus on um, some of the first LDS members during the restoration um, around the Liberty Jail issue. So I'm gearing up for that. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to have a special guest who's a dear friend of mine who um, had a very special spiritual experience while reading this talk. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. But thank you for joining us this week. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. Until next time, God bless.